Hello and welcome everyone to the Lions Dead podcast opens hosted by Lions Pride Esports. I'm your main host today, Fritz. I'm joined by Drunk Lion of Lions Pride Esports as well as Headrammer, a co-owner of Console Gaming League, CGL, as many of you know it as. And I think we got a real exciting podcast started and lined up for you today, as well as there will be an additional interview with Bull Skunk, which will be tagged onto the end of the episode. So make sure you stay tuned all the way throughout to catch that interview. For today, let's start off with, as we usually do, the Lions Pride news. Drunk, what's going on with the Lions Pride teams nowadays? Well, hello. Uh, so I do not have all of the info, but I do have a good majority of the info just from being able to see everything. What the main, the biggest thing is for right now is Lions Cub. Lions Cub is now going into their uh, finals. They're going to play in the championships for, I believe, Firewall. So everybody at Lions Pride wishes them the best of luck and obviously very proud of our team for going for their second championship. This would be a very big accomplishment. Be very proud. Uh, for Lionheart, Lionheart is another big, uh, big set of news. We decided instead of playing for Tier 4 CGL, we would be bumping ourselves up to Tier 5 CGL. Mainly because a lot of our players decided to climb this season. And once CGL told us that they will be taking in Season 28 into account, uh, we realized we have a lot of GMs now all of a sudden. So it was either to stay in Tier 4 CGL and drop all of our best players, or jump up to Tier 5 CGL and kind of wrestle with everybody up there and hope that we do our best there. Um, but obviously we picked up a few good uh, Tier 5 players, one of them being Diablo. He came out of retirement to uh, help play with us, and we have a few old coaches that used to run with us back in our Tier 3 days. So it'll be exciting to see how far we get in Tier 5. And for Lionburger, we have um, there in a few tournaments as well. Uh, one of them being the, I can't, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. I believe it's called the Maxi, Maxi B uh, tournament. It's one of the first, uh, not other than CGL, one of the first cross console tournaments, not necessarily a league, but tournament. And we wish them the best of luck going into that, as well as a, a few other tournaments like Cora Cup and, uh, they will also be joining Lionheart in Tier 5 CGL, so that's exciting as well. See a good little uh, org rivalry going on. Hopefully we provide them with a good amount of competition. Uh, and as for Lion Strike, all I know as of right now is that they are still going through the rebuild process and it's going to be a long, arduous one because we are basically starting again from the ground up with Lion Strike. So hopefully everything goes right with them. All right, absolutely. Thank you, Drunk, for giving us an update on what is going on with Lions Pride Esports teams. You know, hearing a lot of success from each of those teams, and I'm excited to see how those teams shake up, especially with Lionheart going into CGL Tier 5 this upcoming season. And speaking of CGL, let's get right into it again. Um, I introduced you at the beginning, Headrammer. You and I have talked a little bit here beforehand about various things, but you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? For people listening. Yeah, so like you mentioned, I'm one of the uh, co-owners of CGL, and I'm kind of like the head honcho on specifically the Overwatch side, because we do run uh, tournaments for multiple games, so Overwatch is our original roots. Um, 
And I've been with CGL for quite a while now. I think I joined in 2018. It was actually when I first joined the CGL server. So I'm not like, we've been around since 2017. And so I wasn't here actually in the beginning. Um, but I think I've been running up operations for quite a long time now. And if you see someone posting the announcements channel, it's usually me nowadays. <laughs> so I've kind of, over time, become that kind of like, uh, like figurehead person for the CGL Overwatch side. And... Um, so I've been kind of steering our ship there for quite a while now and leading kind of our direction as we've gone through this rapid growth last few years. And now we have our, you kind of touched on earlier, we have our, excuse me, our next upcoming season here. Uh, coming up, team sign opening July 16th. Yeah, July 16th, it should be a Friday. And um, it's going to be enabling crossplay now across our entire tournament. So we've, our seasons are, you know, main event we typically do. I supported both consoles for quite a long time now, both Xbox and PlayStation. And then we divide those into six tiers, and we split both of them into NA and EU. So that, because um, we have usually each season around 250 teams play and about 3,000 players. So we found that doing that kind of split up is usually the best for competition, as well as making sure time and scheduling complaints. Uh, work out pretty well here. Now with the addition of crossplay, it kind of cuts the number of things we gotta run in half and simplifies our logistics a little bit. So with our upcoming season, Xbox and PlayStation teams will play against each other um, in one tournament, which will be both, I think it'll be pretty hype, honestly. I'm really excited to see who comes out on top. Because as I've watched, obviously I'm, I come from the Xbox side myself, that's where I've always been a player of. But I've been around the PlayStation scene for a while just from running all these tournaments. And I'm excited to see who who wins, and I'm also excited to see like really competitive tiers now that both of them are combined. Because there's some there's some areas where maybe PlayStation is a little bit stronger with the numbers they have, but then there's other areas like our base was originally Xbox, so we have a really strong Xbox base. And there's places where maybe we had a lower amount of teams on the PlayStation side, and the Xbox base can really help out to make sure like they uh, have enough in. Like our our Xbox NA three scene has always had like 40 teams. Which is it's, it's stupid to think about how many teams they've had there, but like they've had forty teams, tier twos had thirty teams, and that can really we think help fill out the PlayStation side as well to bring out a pretty really strong tournament, especially in like some of the lower tiers, where mainly where sometimes like PlayStation tiers numbers have struggled, the Xbox side can help out there too and make sure that we have like the the best competition we can have and really see who comes out uh, on top and see whose uh, whose trash talk was correct the entire time. Absolutely, and you know. So the thing I'm excited for, even though I've since graduated out of the tiers, you said, you know, tiers being able to play out, you know, NA Tier 1, PlayStation, I don't know if that tier ever played out actually as a full season, because I seem that always got combined up to NA Tier 2, which is what it is. I firstly raised my SR sense, so I can't even play in it anymore, which shed a tier there. But, you know, see, seeing how these are able to be now a bigger tournament... You know, ask the age-old question, you know, which console is better, Xbox or PlayStation, definitely in there. And everything else associated with it, you know, the whole idea of cross-play is definitely something that I think was good for Overwatch as a whole and for Blizzard to do to make it a healthier player base and also potentially get some more people interested in. Because I know people who had friends who had an Xbox console, they played PlayStation or vice versa. They couldn't play with their friends. Mm -hmm. Now they can play with their friends. Something that hasn't been touched on yet, though, is the third console, Switch, 
which is included in the crossplay. You are able to crossplay between consoles and competitive between Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation 4. So, I guess, how is CGL approaching Switch? Yeah, Switch console situation in this upcoming season. Yeah, so in our off-season tournament, we usually run a smaller off-season tournament between every season, which was this time was a Goats tournament. And in our off-season tournament, before Crossplay was even announced, we ex experimented with adding Switch support for the first time. And so we had, along with you know Xbox being separate, PlayStation being separate, we had a separate Switch one as well for the Goats tournament um, as an experiment. Usually, usually our off-season tournaments where we experiment with like format or rule changes or whatever we want to experiment with before that we put it into like production for the larger season. Um, and we experimented with adding Switch support, and we thought it went fairly well. Um, and we had planned to, uh, to add that into our regular season, and that was the plan, and we're still doing that. However, we are keeping the Switch side tournament of the tournament separate by default. If a Switch player wants to play in the regular season with the other two consoles, they can. We're not going to hold it against them, but by default, the Switch tournament will be separate mainly because the Switch SRs are relatively inflated compared to uh, the other consoles, which would be really un unfair for the Switch players if we force them to play in the gender pool, um, because it could be inflated by as much as 4600 SR, which is, is a pretty big difference. Absolutely. So seeing, because I know some people argue that the Switch SRs are slightly inflated compared to other console SRs, so that could also hamper them when they go into um, a league and play. For example, it's top 300 are for Switch, whereas it's top 500 for both PlayStation and Xbox on your given role. It just isn't as deep in the top list. Mm -hmm. So, you know, coupled with that going forward, you know, something that happened during Roll Queue was sort of this equalization of SRs. You think it's going to be kind of like the same you know, a couple seasons that you're going to then see the SRs equalized between the consoles, or you think maybe it won't be as great as we saw with RollQ? I do expect that over time they will equalize. I mean, that's how the, the ELO system is supposed to work. We saw with RollQ, usually people got to around where they're supposed to be after two to three seasons or so. It's, not, it's possible it could be longer if they don't play enough. Um, but I expect probably a pretty similar thing for crossplay for it to be about two or three seasons so things really start to equalize across the board. Um, obviously, if people disable crossplay, it could be a little bit different. But in order to be even work remotely worthwhile for Switch players to disable crossplay, enough Switch players have to disable crossplay that they could have to even get into games. My understanding from talking to Switch players right now is the queues are already fairly long. Um, and when you disable crossplay, you can only play with other people who have disabled crossplay. Which makes it makes it so that the player base has drastically reduced for you, and it's on by default. So, I don't think that many people will disable it. So I expect over a few seasons, uh, things should relatively even out. Though, if they are as inflated as it's believed, then unfortunately they're gonna lose all SR. And that is the unfortunate part of kind of balancing SRs. As I know, just for fun, I turned off um, crossplay for just one comp game, just to see what happens. And for a Platinum Tank queue, you're looking at a 45-minute queue time for if you disable crossplay, which yeah. those of us that are used to playing tank, we're used to 10-second queue times. I know, we're pampered. You know, yeah. shoot us and if you want to. that's the most populated SR range right there. See, because it's a popular SR range, and it's a role that's always in demand. You know, the game, the game mm -hmm. search is always looking for a tank player to chuck in. Even 
they say when you get to higher SRs just because I watch a couple streamers, it's priority passes for even the support role once you get to higher SR can occur at times just because it's a lot of supporter DPS players. And I guess people just don't like getting flashbanged, brig stunned, frozen, slept, anti'd. You know, the, the true main tank experience, as it were. Which, I don't know, I feel like Drunk has felt that many a time in playing tank. I guess he won't comment on it because he's, he's having flashback memories of it. Um, Oops, sorry about that. What was, what was the uh, question? <laughs> Just commenting the on the main tank experience. You'll say, yeah, commenting on the, the main, main tank, tank experience. experience. Yes, I understand that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a fun experience, and uh, being maintained for two tiers now is just insane so yeah so you know it's gonna be interesting seeing how everything goes forward you know with now all the consoles having cross play as you know i think it's only on quick play i'm not sure if it made it to the console no it's on calm now the the no. let's say yeah, the cross play is but the the turret buffs that occurred I don't know if oh, that's already out. That was that one that came out for quick play. So that did. So those do carry over to the comp. Okay. Every, I, everything is a, Everything is out right now. Yes. Gotcha. But say I had, I haven't done too much damage experimentation to see if Torp Turret actually can carry games even harder than it used to before on console. I mean, it's definitely the damage changes are definitely noticeable. Um. So like, so with the, the Bob, so the changes they made was Bob does more damage. Uh, uh Turn does more damage. The Sim turns do more damage. And they also adjusted the hitbox on those uh, dart to be smaller, uh, which actually is really noticeable. I I play so I primarily play support, and the Ana dart change is actually really noticeable, in my experience, because they combine that with they, they change how aim assist works. Um, aim assist between the two consoles was historically a little bit different, and um, okay. they've unified it so they have the exact same aim assist now. And at least obviously I haven't been primarily playing from the PS4 side, but in my opinion, the aim assist was awful right now. Whatever they made, it's my aim is horrendous now. It's absolutely horrendous. It feels terrible. So I'm not a big fan of that change. <laughs> See, because you know, from a league perspective, again, also on console, I know this is getting a little bit <clears throat> in-depth, big brain, not so much centered on CGL as much as the big scene. You think these turret buffs, you're going to see any new metas come out then inside of the league scene and CGL for this upcoming season, given all the turret buffs that have occurred? And the changes to Ana for console players. Um, I mean, I think you might see some changes. I don't think they're going to be related related to the uh, the buffs exactly. What I've noticed a lot from watching lots of streams and scrims from all our various tiers, from one through six, which is from gold until like you know the highest of the high on the console, is that between tiers one to three, practically doesn't matter what you run at all. Um, the matter really doesn't matter. In those tiers, because you can make almost anything work. Um, when you start to get into tier four, is when not to say tier three. There's definitely tier three teams that do like run hard meta, but you don't. There isn't a requirement to do so, just due to like the skill of that level. Tier four is when you start seeing teams trying to do a little more, and tier five is when you see a lot more meta. Um, and so, I expect you might see some things down in the lower tiers where people run and somebody just flat out can't stop it. But when you're in the higher tiers, I mean, you should be able to counter most things. You should be. Um, and you don't really see a whole lot of Ana played below tier 4, usually. 
usually you see like the Mercy, the Moira, Lucio, that kind of thing. Um, because they're not the same dependent. Okay. So kind of speaking of, you know, like changing metas, you know, another change is, you know, evolution of the league. You know, CGL, it's been around for, this is going to be the ninth season, regular season, this mm-hmm. not including all the off-season tournaments that have gone on. What do you think has been the biggest thing that has changed and evolved in CGL from season one to this upcoming season nine from an organizational perspective? Well, so from an organizational perspective, a lot has changed. I mean, our organization has gone from being very loosely organized to being pretty organized. So I'm not an original founding member of CGO, but the original the original CGO wasn't even called CGO. It was originally called like X League, which started by a group of people who started. Uh, are you familiar with GroupMe? Like the the group message platform. No. Well, actually, well, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, I've heard about it. I don't personally have it. <laughs> yeah, so the original thing that was formed was, was, was a group me group chat. That was how it all started. Um, and then, you know, they recruited people out of, like, Twitter, and it got a little larger, and then eventually when Discord started getting popular or getting larger and stuff came out, they made a Discord for it um, back in 2017. And um, then it started getting larger. The first actual real season of, well, X-League at the time, was a draft. Because, you know, you have very few people, so it was a draft. So, like, our format's gone from, like, draft with pre-made teams to, like, some pre-made teams to then, like, actual recruiting. And, like, at one point, for a long time, actually, we didn't have set-in-stone tiers. Uh, we didn't say, we didn't have, like, this SR is this tier, this SR is this tier. For a long time, our organization actually <clears throat> did the um, tier creation slash split based on signups, um, where we would see where all the teams signed up and where their SRs came, and then we would split them manually um, to try to balance it, effectively. Hmm. Which had some advantages because you could manually balance things. Disadvantages was really kind of hard to plan as a team, um, like where you should be, because you didn't know if you were going to end up on a low or high end or something. Um, so eventually, again, we put set in some tiers. And just <clears throat> a lot of learning, growing, and maturing of, like, our craft of the entire thing. And then, you know, we rebranded a few times. So, like, originally it was Lex League. And then actually at one point in the history of it, they merged and ran the Xbox side of Overguard. And that one had some difficulties, and they backed back out of that one and ran their own thing again. And it was rebranded to the Overwatch Xbox community. Um, and it was rebranded to CGL. So we've gone through many name changes over the years. Originally started as Xbox only. Then we expanded to PlayStation. We expanded from just NA only to EU. Um, we expanded from all manual sheet Google Sheets to automated Google Sheets and forms to a web application to run our entire roster organization system to much more organization and how we did things and distributing of like uh, uh, roles and tasks instead of just like certain people doing it to then even expanding to multiple games. So our foundation is an Overwatch, but now we run tournaments for like. And different games, and we've had very successful like Mortal Kombat turns. We sponsor some pro players in Mortal Kombat, and we're actually like a registered business now, and just kind of like a growing and actually trying to take things more seriously, and just a lot of learning along the way. It's been a really fun experience and stressful at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely, but so when you've been around that long, I mean, 
yeah, you know, <clears throat> you guys gotta realize, oh, we did this. It might have worked when you started, but nope, we have to change it with the changing times. Automation and simpler is better when you especially get larger like CGL has now at this point. I think you and I were talking earlier, you had 270 teams this last season between all six tiers. So typically on average, we have about 250 teams that play and about 3,000 players that play per season. And that's a lot of self-checking you would have had to do if you split it manually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember, to give a little bit of context, um, before we had the automated roster adjustments, um, so first first there was the manual one. So give a little, a little bit of history context of like how some of these things go scaled. So we're entering Season 9 right now. Season 5 was our last season before we were branded as CGL. And um, there's also the last season before we expanded the PlayStation. It was like between five and six is when we underwent, underwent a massive expansion, a rebranding, like we're actually trying to really, really push things. We had 55 teams in um, in season five. How many teams do you think we had in, uh, in season six? If I had to guess, you jumped to 120? We jumped from 55 to 240. Oh, wow. In one season. That was one of the biggest tests we ever had in scaling our, our operations, which was that jump that season. That, um, that's an it was, insane jump. It was a lot of work. We had we like, made some correct predictions of where our pain points would be, and we had some things that were pain points that we didn't expect to be. We learned a lot of things from that one. We went from, like, season five was a lot of manual sheets. Season six, we, I coded a lot of automation to Google Sheets, which helped us survive. But after that season, so I still had to pro we still had to process roster adjustments. So if you had to guess, how many times do you think rosters were changed? Like how many roster adjustments do you think had to be processed in season six? Well, let's see. Knowing like season seven, eight, like I don't know. If I had to guess, I'm just gonna chuck out five hundred because I feel like it's probably I feel like that's gonna be way smaller than the number is. There was 2,400 roster adjustments manually processed that season. And I did about 2,000 of myself. And um, it was a stupid amount of work. So I vowed after that season, I'm like, I'm never going to process another <laughs> roster adjustment again. So that's when I wrote our web roster system. I coded and wrote that one. To, and now it's self-service. Obviously, you still have to manual uh, verify like the SRs when they're submitted. But that process is way easier than it was before. And once it's verified, it doesn't need to be verified again. Mm-hmm. Um, for at least for that season, and, and um, has made things way faster, both from our point of view, because it's not we don't do that horrendous manual amount of work throughout the entire season, and it also makes it faster for um, for teams because they can just assuming that people have their SR permission in, they just invite them, and they're gonna be in the roster in like three seconds, maybe. Say exactly because I know made life a lot easier. Say from experience that adding a player to a roster takes, I mean, if the person's on the computer, it takes maybe fifteen seconds total. Nowadays, yeah, yeah. It, the longest part is typing in the PSN for the Xbox gamer tag or whichever console it is. Yeah, you just you search autocomplete, you hit you hit invite. It double checks that you can actually invite the person in terms of like the SRs all work for your team. It does. It shoots them a Discord message saying, "Hey, you've been invited. Do you want to accept it?" They say yes, and they're on your roster. If it's the SR permission, still checks out. Absolutely. So you know, kind of on this idea of expansion that, as you said, has occurred over time. You know, what do you think, you know, you're going to switch and also cross-platform this season. I feel that potentially could open up some more avenues for CGL in certain other areas. 
Um, one idea that I just kind of okay. thought about is like Oceania servers. You know, definitely it's not been touched by a lot of players because there's not that big of a player base. But potentially if you combine PlayStation and Xbox players together or something like that, you might be able to get it. I don't know. What do you think would be the next big expansion that CGL would have? You know, Switch would be the current one, but like after Switch, like going forward, what could be the next big thing? This is some interesting questions. Um, so I think that um, I don't think Oceania is going to be it because it's like you said, the player base is incredibly, incredibly small there. Um, we've poked at it every once in a while, but every time there was just like not enough people involved to make it really not necessarily worth the effort, but like to even like run a small thing. Um, I've looked around some of the various servers that exist there, like. Uh, Outback, for example, but all these servers end up exploding in some way, and I don't really have good connections to the that side of it. I tried working with a group that did at one point, and that group ended up exploding and stopping. Um, and we've had people ask over the years in our question center, I was like, "Hey, is there a chance of you doing something for like the Oceana servers or the Asia servers?" And we're always like, "We're totally down to do it, but like we need help to like you know get those kind of people. Like if you if you go and get bring some teams, then yeah, sure, we'll run something for it absolutely." And then, Nobody's ever come back with anything. Um, and without there being... We've made a few attempts and it hasn't really worked that well just because of the numbers. And so I don't think I'm really going to actually seek it out right now. I mean, if an opportunity comes up for it, saying someone comes like, yeah, hey, i got like five teams, whatever, sure, I'll run something. I have no... I want to include as many people as possible and bring what we're able to offer to as many people as possible. Um, so I don't want to turn down opportunities like that. But so far, an opportunity hasn't really presented itself to, um, to do something like that. And, um, sorry. Um, so something hasn't really presented itself to do that right now. And, uh, if something comes up, I'll do it. As for the next big expansion afterwards, things are kind of up in the air. Um, because, you know, there's, there are limits to what you can really do in, um, say, console Overwatch, for example, it's not the primary platform for it. I think a lot of expansion for us is going to be continuing to like elevate our craft for what we can do and scale our operations as much as we can do. Um, it's really hard to say what the future holds. Like one thing we're doing for this upcoming season, I put a lot of work on too, is uh, for our broadcast. And um, we got usually what we do for. I think overall we have some fairly high quality broadcasts, and uh, we got a full revamp of our overlay set for. For next season is a lot more flexible. Additionally, um, I put a lot of work into some technology to do live stats for our broadcast. So there would be individual player live stats for everybody in the lobby that will be able to overlay on the screen, similar to like what like Overwatch League or Contender is able to do. Um, and the goal is to try that out, out in this upcoming season. See how it goes. I think that I think that would be really cool. Both be able to have that information, be able to show for people, and also because it allows our casters to kind of have more information to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Um, the casters will have like a dashboard view that shows <clears throat> shows all the stats for everybody in the lobby, and then also they'll be able to select a button that's like select a player to be able to show like the player stats on the screen when they wanted to during a stream. And I think that'll be both really cool. Because there's a lot of things that are limited to and technology-wise for console Overwatch that it's a lot easier to do on PC, and this is one of the ones that's harder to do on console. 
but I spent some time working on it. I think it's gonna be it'll be pretty cool. So absolutely, and you know, as you kind of said, you know, especially with casting, as a caster, they're looking to tell a story. So the more details you have, the better story it's gonna to be to tell. <laughs> I'm excited to see some of these overlays in the upcoming season for CGL and seeing how the stats all shake out and how it looks on that screen for the stream and. Sam, I'm excited to see something like that rather than, you know, just each individual player just having to tab and see what the stats are like during the game. Actually, you know, when they look back mm-hmm. at the broadcast, it's like, oh, that's how much damage I was doing, or oh, that's how much I was dying each time. You know, seeing that as it goes to a stream, I think it's going to add a lot of value to the stream. And actually, I look forward to seeing that. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of piggybacking slash shifting gears here, you know, CGL, you guys have been around a while. Obviously, that's been the main idea we talk about. Arguably, what one of, if not the premier league, especially on the PlayStation side of things in the Discord server. Um, same time, there's a lot of different Discord servers that run PlayStation 4 League tournaments. Xbox, not as much. But what do you think is one common mistake that you see a lot of other leagues make <clears throat> that leads League to failure or having to heavily revamp? that you just see happening kind of again and again in a lot of different leagues? That's a good question. I would say probably the primary thing. So it's going to be a multi-approach thing because I think they're all linked together. Um, I would say, well, the first thing is starting at things for the wrong reason. Um, Sometimes people start things because they don't like someone else's thing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you think you can do better, sure. But a lot of times people start things for the wrong reasons and that I think they can do better because they don't understand why somebody does something a different way. Um, or they don't understand why rules in place. They don't understand why things are done the way they are. And they think that, oh, I'll just do it. I'll just start one and do it better. When they realize, like, oh, crap, this was this was there for a good reason. There's a, re- there's a good reason why they don't do this because I'm now experiencing the same kind of problem and now I need this rule too. Um, or people start something because, you know, they're bored and just want to do something and now they have, once they're on the first season, oh, we're done. I don't really, have, I'm not really interested in doing this anymore. Um, additionally, people, this one's a really big one. I think it's really, really common. People chase uh, growth over everything else. They think in order to succeed, they have to be large. Um, and they think just getting numbers means they're successful. And because of that, they lose focus on what made them good. And this kind of goes back to something we had mentioned earlier, you and I, where people don't really know what makes them unique. And so if I were to look at if I were to look at some leagues and try to figure out what makes them special, some of them I couldn't tell you. Some of them I can look at you and tell you. Um, but other ones I couldn't. Some of them just try to be like others. Because like, okay, we see this a lot sometimes with TG House, since we are kind of like the largest one around where some organizations will start up and try to copy a lot of things we do um, to try to get to our size, which, you know, you can use ourselves, you can use what we have done for inspiration. That's perfectly fine. I mean, we've gone through a lot of the growing pains and a lot of the learnings from getting to where we are, and that's perfectly fine. No worries about that. A lot of times people just blindly take something without understanding the reasoning why it was all done. And instead of, like, just copying and pasting, they should be looking at this is what they've done, here's why they've done it, and how can I apply that concept my own organization um, rather than just like a copy paste and we've seen some organizations before that think like the thing that makes them unique is their their tier system but that's just one example of many I've seen over time where I think it's misplaced 
um, because what makes you unique is something that should not be easily copyable. And it's something like, say, your community or like the way people treat each other in your server or something like that. Things like that are not easy to copy um, because something that needs to be built and needs to be nurtured. Um, something like a tier system, I can just copy and paste that if I want to. Boom, I'm not you. I'm not you. Maybe a little better. I don't know. Um, that's not special. Maybe it's like your production value. I mean, doing really good production takes a lot of work on your streams. Maybe it's something like that. Um, it's maybe it's um, like the level of competition you have. It, it could be any number of things, but it should not be something that's easily copyable. It should be something that actually has to be built and worked on and a lot of effort put into, because otherwise you're not going to be special. Um, and because the, if you don't correctly identify what makes you unique, then you're going to put all your, when, as you try to do things over time, maybe try to grow, you're not going to put your focus in the correct area and you might kill what makes you unique by accident. And I see a lot of people that do that over time. They, they don't know what makes them unique and they accidentally kill what makes them special. I think going on the whole chasing growth side, um, <clears throat> the people that chase growth over anything else is oftentimes a lot of short-term thinking over long-term thinking. And this is incredibly common in lower, in, sorry, not lower servers, uh, smaller servers I've seen where, <clears throat> so there's advantages and disadvantages that come about with both being small and being large. So one advantage we have with being a large server is that um, if someone causes issues for me or a team cheats or whatever, and like we catch them, I don't have to think twice about it. I can just kick you out. It doesn't mean the slightest to me. I have 249 other teams. It doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> but it's harder when you're a smaller server that maybe has like 10 teams. Um, you have to. It can be almost seen as a harder problem because like, okay, you're kicking out 10% of your teams, and a lot of times those players might be very popular um, despite causing issues or cheating or whatever. They're often very popular. You can be under a lot of pressure to not remove them or tolerate the problem. But by doing that, in the short term, maybe you save your issue because people are happy. But in the long term, the people that you don't want to be there will be the ones that flock to you. They'll be the ones that call, cheat and cause problems. And the ones you want to be there, the ones that are productive, nice people, all that kind of stuff, they're going to leave over time. And suddenly, eventually, over time, your server will just implode and fall apart because it's no longer a good place to be. So absolutely. That's what I've noticed a lot. Say because. All the points you said are actually a lot of things I've seen from my time casting in a number of leagues that have occurred. In the league, it's literally they didn't like what one league did. They just cut, copy, paste, and made their own league. I looked at it and went, all right. And then I, like, go cast one game for them and go, okay, this was a mess. Good luck. Have a good day. See you later. <laughs> you know, and then there's mm -hmm. other leagues where it's they made a league. They had a purpose. They had a clear defined goal. You know, some of them exploded qu exploded quickly, other ones did not. On the ones that exploded quickly, actually, actually, the quicker a server grows, I've seen it's harder for them to stay alive as a league because they aren't used to the expansion. Whereas the leagues that, you know, they increase by like one, two, maybe four teams from season to season, mm -hmm. they're able to maintain their goals and ideals and everything that they have, build upon them, and then just make it a better league for this upcoming season, include a few more teams, maybe revamp one thing or two to be able to accommodate, you know, depending on what their mm. uniqueness factor was. And 
expand to mm-hmm. the next season and then just keep progressing on this unique trail, which, as you said, leagues that are unique definitely draw more players to them because you. if I wanted to compete in a league like CGL all year round, well, I would compete in CGL when CGL exists, and then I'd find maybe mm-hmm. one off league, but CGL having all the off season tournaments, well, I would just do nothing but CGL year-round. Right, right. Whereas someone that does something unique, yeah, I'll, like... I'll try this, and then I'll also do CGL, because I like you know, the uniqueness between the two of them, and what each of them does. Yeah, and as a place, there doesn't have to be, like, one, there doesn't have to be, like, only one organization. There can be multiple, I mean, there's some people that we won't be for, and that's perfectly okay. Like, no one place is going to appeal to everyone. Um... I mean, and there's plenty of people that play in us. That play in us. That play in multiple other organizations as well. And that's perfectly okay. Um, and usually those organizations have like either it could be a timing thing. It could just be like, hey, they like something special about that one. I know in the Xbox side, us and Better Academy share a lot of the Xbox teams together, and that like they swap back and forth depending on which ones in season or not. Um, and I would say like I would say there's also, there's also usually two main ways that leagues are organized in terms of like. Uh, community and competitiveness. I, if I had to describe it, I would say usually an organization is either competitive plus community or community plus competitive, or one is tacked on to the other. Um, if I had to describe us nowadays, I'd say we're competitive plus community, whereas something like Better Academy on the Xbox side is community plus competitive. They're more of a community thing, but they've tacked on the competitive side. And maybe they might be going more towards competitive over time, but their foundation was originally community. Absolutely, because... I mean, because one thing, like, prime example is one league that I do stuff for and I'm involved in, every one of their games is casted. CGL, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's no way you could cast every game. It's just not possible. No, it's there's too many games that occur in a season. So, I mean, you because that's... Yeah, I think on a weekly basis, we got, like, 125 games happening. Exactly. There just isn't... There isn't enough hours in the week, even if you used replay codes and had a stream going 24-7... It just it would never be mm-hmm. able to occur, especially with pre and post production. So I mean that's definitely something that you know just find the uniqueness factor and like hey, I like CGL, but like hey, I like having my game streamed and casted, and it's a guarantee. You know, doing multiple things and like leagues being able to find the balance and finding how to optimize is definitely I think will be something that could be a challenge actually with a lot of teams as it storms outside in figuring mm-hmm. out how to incorporate Xbox and PlayStation players together, because I know a lot of leagues are looking at doing that. It's just going to be this balancing act of like, okay, how are we keeping it? How are we staying unique? How are we handling this growth? And how are we going to go about things going forward? Which CGL has a leg up because the RA did, the RA had done, PlayStation, Xbox, though they were separate. It was always a concurrent season, nine weeks long, plus playoffs for each. You're just able to merge them, kind of get mm-hmm. together, and just it's a bigger team pool. Which from the Xbox side, it's adding ten teams to forty existing teams. So is it really that much of a growth? Maybe I don't know. Not. I think, it yeah. could be though. I think I think I, I think on the in some places it might. Like I think specifically where it will help is the EU side because Xbox EU has historically been smaller than PlayStation EU. Hmm. Um, so on that side, the PlayStation should help the Xbox side. Whereas I believe basically and anywhere else Xbox can help the PlayStation side because we we have a lot of Xbox teams so I think Xbox will help 
on the NA side way more than the EU side. Um, but yeah, I think it should make things a lot more interesting. And you do, you really bring up a good point. We do have an inherent advantage that we've already supported both because the supporting of both in the past has always been a very difficult endeavor because of it's, it's, it's a lot of work to push into a new platform as a completely different community um, and to like break into that scene. And the initial break in the scene was very hard. Um, we had to put a lot of work into doing that correctly and working with people that were already in the scene to kind of help us out and get the word out for the thing. Um, and obviously with the addition of crossplay, it's going to be a little bit easier because the people will intermingle a little bit more. Um, however, there's still a separation in the community is just due to his, the historical nature of it. And I do think more more people will do crossplay. Like you mentioned now. What will be interesting to see is though, who that helps and who it hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's gonna. I don't expect it to hurt at all because we're already doing both. But some of the smaller ones, I could see it going both directions. I could see some places growing that have like a unique side that maybe the other side happens to like find and like. But I could also see it maybe hurting some other ones that um, don't take off as much or like die out more. I could see it going both directions, honestly. Absolutely. All right. So as we're nearing here, probably should be wrapping up the interview so we don't run too long here in the podcast. Drunk, do you have any questions for Headrammer? Uh, particularly one of the things I'm interested in is you did bring up uh, how you were going to try to keep stats involved in your games. And me and Fritz both being analysts and statisticians for several other leagues... We understand, we, I, oh, I'm not going to speak for him, but me as a player, I believe the next big step for console Overwatch would be uh, stats. And, like, I think you hit the nail right on the head with uh, adding to the production value of st- statistics and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, did you get, mainly my question is, did you get, like, the idea of, where like where did it come from? Where did your idea of getting stats come from, so to speak? Um, yeah, so I was watching. Well, I mean, stats are something I've been wanted to do for a long time. Um, stats are cool, and it's always been. We've always we've had this thing suggested to a thousand times. We've thought about it internally a thousand times in regards to making like a fantasy system, for example. Well, practically impossible um, in the past due to both scale of things and how things had to be collected. So it was, it was always kind of like a backward thing. And then I was watching the, uh, I was watching Contenders this last season with a new produced by like uh, Monkey Bubble. I thought they had did a tremendous job with like the production. They had like, they had live stats, they had um, like a whole lot of interactions with chat and all that stuff. I thought it was really cool and it got me thinking again about like, okay, how are they doing their stats stuff? And I thought about it some more and I was pretty sure I knew how they did it, but their way wouldn't work on console. So I thought about, like, okay, how can I make this thing work on console? And then I spent some time and um, put together, I'm like, okay, let's see if I can make this work. And I was able to make it work after like a lot of trial and error. And um, I was like, okay, it's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Um, and then, so I'm pretty sure I have it in place now where it will work for a live production match. Um, it won't, at its current state, um, work for a fantasy system that requires a lot more collection. So basically, the way I see the evolution of our stat stuff right now is that initially, stats for a live production thing. Um, then, the saving of stats for live production 
to do um, more things like uh, summarize stats over various like maps, for example. Um, and then from there, the eventuality of collecting stats from every single match, even ones we didn't stream, via like replay codes, for example. But that one, that automation stuff is a little harder, and I haven't put time into that yet. So eventually, I want to be able to do it. Fantasy. I think that'd be really cool. That one's kind of much more out there. And what I've noticed, I do a lot of things, and I've noticed over time that, to, you know, as you know, this is just a standard thing in life. Time is always the biggest restriction, and it's always just a set of priorities. And what is what is the highest priority? So like for right now, all my highest priority stuff is making sure that things, a certain list of things, are ready for when signups go live. And once that things are completed, signups go live, then my next step is like, okay, I need to have all these things done before signups close, and then I have all these things done before the first match happens. Kind of thing. That's just an evolving list of priorities. No, okay. running list. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of been my theory. Like, I've been watching Overwatch League, obviously, because that's like that's the place you go to watch Overwatch. You, mm-hmm. it's basically your end goal if you ever want to do anything in Overwatch, whether that be running leagues or playing in them or casting or whatever. That's the that is ultimately the end goal and i think us as console leagues like us running them and whatnot the the best thing for uh growth and stuff like that and just like to kind of set yourself out there is just use what you have to mimic what you can when it comes to overwatch league and i know you have your ways of doing it for console and me and uh, several others have also tried to figure out ways to do it as well. And we think we have like a very bare bones system, but obviously we don't have the time or expertise to go like very above and beyond, but we do have time. We do have passion to just kind of give like that little push that we wanted to do. And I think like now that CGL is also doing this as well, I think it shows that we were all kind of going in the right step, but on to another question, like another real quick question. With the addition of crossplay and kind of like this new avenue for consoles to actually play with PC, even though right now everybody's like, keep them separate. There's nothing, they don't need to be connected at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. If things like kind of lighten up or like the connection is kind of slimmed down or whatever. Do you think there's ever this going to be this time where CGL expands and kind of like becomes similar to say tier two or tier three Overwatch? Because you guys are, if you guys are on Overwatch level league level when it comes to console, but if everything kind of combines, do you kind of see yourself kind of moving up with say tier two or tier three Overwatch? As in, like, offering PC support? Yes. So, I think PC support is interesting. I've I've thought about it over the years. Because I do think, like, we are in an interesting position where we could be a, a, a decent stepping point for people that want to go to PC over time. Like, one thing people oftentimes struggle with when swapping from console to PC is that they lose a lot of the community. And a lot of people already knew. Um, because not everyone has a PC. Um, and we've always thought over the years that I could be, like this, this could be a, we could be a decent stepping point for people that like want to stay in the same area, 
but just like want to swap uh, things. So I've over the years I've thought about it a little bit, but there's always so much to do on the console. I never did it, and also we aren't console gaming league. But you know, you can always play with the, the meaning of console. I mean, wherever you play your game, so that like Microsoft is doing historically. Um, so I'm not going to say no. PC port will never happen, but it's not a current priority. As for expanding PC into our existing stuff, um, it's not going to happen anytime soon, specifically because uh, whenever a single PC player is in a custom game lobby, it disables aim assist for everybody. Um, so that's kind of an issue. And even if the PC player is in a spectator system, in a spectator slot, not even playing, it still disables aim assist, which is really, really annoying. And I did, that was like one of the first things when a prospect came out, I, was, I spent a lot of time testing. Because like if we were able to observe, uh, matches with a PC instead of having to use the capture card um, there. It, makes things, it would make things a lot more simple. Um, but unfortunately, in its current state, that doesn't really work because of the whole disabling aim assist. Which personally also, I think I really disagree with their idea of disabling aim assist within like, PC queues for a controller player. I think it would be a lot better if they just did input-based matchmaking for, for aim assist or not. Like if you had a controller, you get aim assist kind of thing. Because no aim assist on a controller feels awful. It feels absolutely awful. Yeah, I've I've been I've done that for I think a year. When I was planning on switching over to PC, I kind of like prepped myself like, okay, PC doesn't have aim assist, so I probably should play without aim assist to improve my aim. And it been it took a year, and I was like, why do I still have aim assist on them? This is this is not fun. Um, and I switched right back to putting it on. Yeah, because I I was doing uh, I was. I have some friends who are on PS4, some people that are on X I play on Xbox, and I have some people that no longer play on Xbox for my team that now play on PC. And we were we were on a six stack of us across Switch, PS4, Xbox, and PC, which naturally threw us into PC quick play keys. And um, I really found out that I'm not gonna say my mechanics are amazing in the first place, but I, ooh, it felt really, really bad trying to play certain like most heroes besides like I think Moira didn't feel too bad, felt a little different, not too bad. Brick felt mostly fine. Um, playing any DPS, most part, felt terrible. Um, playing Reinhardt, honestly, felt perfectly fine. Almost like it didn't matter at all, because you're not really aiming. Um, so I was able to play Reinhardt very well, but like I've noticed I'm trying to play Roadhog, like, I could kind of hit my hooks fine, but hitting his shots, I was just going to hit anything. So it's just like weird. Uh, it's, all, it's so weird about it. So I really don't agree with their decision to do that. Now, if they would, if they would change it so that... Um, just like determine if you got answers or not was based on if you had a controller or not then maybe then maybe I'll consider allowing a PC controller player to play in like our console side and we've gotten a few questions about that some people who say like hey my Xbox is broken but I have a PC and a controller can I can I play it unfortunately I have to say no to them which I have already just because it just it ruins lobby for everyone else because of says that's pretty much all that I had. Thank you for the answers. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So, unfortunately, I got some storms that were rolling through here, and now the surge protector just got tripped again. That's why I had to quick dart oh, away. I'm sure you guys hear that coming through my mic, that beautiful noise here. Um, personally, I had no further questions. Headrammer, do you have any statements uh, in conclusion here? Thank you again for also joining us for the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks for having me on here. And just want to give a quick shout out to our upcoming season I mentioned earlier. Team signups are going uh, live July 16th. 
and that is team signups, players can already create their accounts on our roster system to be ready in advance of it if they want to. But teams can start signing up July 16th, and signups will be open for two weeks, um, at which they will close, and then the season will start. Again, open for everybody, regardless of ELO and regardless of region. Um, and it's good. It's going to be a pretty heavy event. Our Q6 has a prize pool of $5,000 provided for the season to figure out who's the best uh, team on console. Um, and then our lower tiers will be uh, crowdfunded, which typically has gotten a few hundred dollars in, so there should be something at least in there. Um, people can put their own money in there as well if they would like to donate to the cause. Um, if you want to get more information on that, uh, feel free to join our Discord server and ask our questions channel. It's just discord.gg slash console overwatch. Well, overwatch abbreviated as OW. And uh, I think that's really about it. Thank you both for having me on here today. So I absolutely would say this this has been some time in the making. Uh I'd say we finally managed to figure out getting schedules to align and getting everything set up and organized. I think that will do it for our portion of the podcast. I'm assuming Soul will likely link over to then transition us into a interview of Zeddy with Bullskunk, I imagine. If not, I'm just gonna look awkward here on saying Bullsunk, this, great guy. and he'll probably put some screen showing up saying that fritz is dumb i don't know um but anyway so i was <laughs> fritz joined uh drunk line joining me down here below uh assisting me with lines pride news and head rammer again was the guest interviewer for this podcast i hope you all have a wonderful remainder of your day and we'll see you next month on the podcast bye saying thank you fritz uh for bringing us to the first part of the podcast today i'm now here joined with bull skunk and we're going to do a little one-on-one interview to talk about his career in the overwatch scene and what he thinks uh the overwatch scene is going to look like in the near future and where he hopes to be bull skunk if you want to do a little intro of yourself well uh just saying thanks uh, for having me here yeah my name is bull skunk um also known as jeff is my actual name. Uh, I've been casting Overwatch for a couple of years now. As you know, started off uh, in the console scene and I've been just kind of slowly expanding into more and more territory. And uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll just keep that going and we'll see. We'll see where the ceiling is. And are you hoping to enter into the Overwatch League casting scene within a short period of time? Oh man, getting into Owl is a. I mean, that still seems like a long ways away. Um, as far as we've come, like it, that, that is still several giant leaps uh, ahead of where I am now. But I mean, you know, like I said, I don't know how far this thing will go, but uh, I'm, I'm excited to find out. Uh, that would be ideal. I mean, it's, you know, getting into to T1 casting and, and really getting into the big time. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be insanely amazing. But I don't know if I'd call that expectation. Uh, you know, well, I like to keep things realistic. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, I'm gonna take it as far as I can. That's awesome to hear. And I believe you're moving to more PC casting soon, from what I remember hearing through the grapevine. Oh, yeah. we've uh, I've been working on Contenders Trials for about the past year. Awesome. So that's, uh, for if, if you're not familiar, Trials is just where it's kind of the in-between, um, between Open Division, which is open to everybody, and then, I mean, depending on the format, you know, the top two to four teams from Open Division will compete in Contenders Trials with some other 
T2 teams, and that determines who's going to be in Overwatch contenders for, for that season. Awesome. So uh, just like the players, uh, Trials is also kind of that in-between for casters as well. So it's that casters on the verge of moving up into into contenders and into that T2 level. And so I've been doing that for the past year. That's all PC. And I've been doing a, I mean, I'm open to whether it's console or PC tournaments. Um, but yeah, definitely have expanded into into the PC scene a lot over the past year. And, would you uh, and it's just, uh, you know, opens up more opportunities. Would you say that the PC casting side is a lot faster than console? Uh, as far as the gameplay? Gameplay, yeah. Um, yeah, in general, I mean, I'd say things like, if you're talking, getting specifics, I mean, like, time to kill is faster. Uh, teams become more and more decisive uh, as you find the better and better teams. And even even in Trials itself, uh, there's a pretty wide variety of skills, of, of skill levels uh, in the teams. And so it's... I mean, just in the, in the past trials, I mean, like getting cast, cast, you know, Fusion Uni, like that was a very well put together team of, of you know, basically current, half current Overwatch League players, a couple of former Overwatch League players, and then one person who would have been an owl, but they're still 16. Yeah. So uh, even with that, the skill set was pretty drastic. But at the same time, that's it doesn't make it like any less chaotic, so to speak. But and what type of I, I don't know what type of cast does get a little easier. Yeah, what what type of caster would you say you are? Are you more of a play by play? Do you like watching the kill feed to react to what you're casting? Um. Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. Definitely a play by play caster. Like that's I'm a tried and true play by play. Okay. Um. So yeah, but, you know, casting is divided into play by play and then color. Play by play is typically the what is going on. Um, and color is kind of the why and the how something happened. And that's a bit of an, an oversimplification, but, but just as far as just general blanket statement, you know, I'm, I'm in the what part of, part of things. Um, as far as your second question, actually like what the kill feed reading or what's commonly called listing and casting is, is considered kind of a crutch of early casters. You don't want to... Okay. You don't want to just read the kill feed. Like the job is to tell a story, and so the job of the play-by-play -play is to find the most important aspects of a team fight, of a map, of a series, and and try to really tell that story. And what would you say the hardest part becoming caster was to get to that level of being able just to react on the fly? Ooh, the hardest part. The hardest part is. Developing expectations, I'd say. When you look at a team fight, when you when you can look at the top twelve icons, uh, you know, the top of your screen, and what ults they have available, and how they've been behaving, what their tendencies are, and figuring out their patterns and their style, and then having an expectation of what is about to happen for each and every team fight. And this is important for play by play because. You want to be able to drive the story. You, you don't want to be drug along by what's happening on screen. Like that's the viewer can do that in their own right. So when you uh, see that, do you... yeah, you're you're there as an authority. So you need to be driving the action, not being drug along by it. So when you see those alts and the percentages in the in the top right, do you almost mentalize what you think is going to happen for then absolutely, and then try to get that already to react to it? Yes, in a sense, yes. 
Like you almost um, see it and you go, oh, this is probably what's going to happen. I need to be ready for it. Yes. And yeah, you you build those expectations first, just mentally. Um, and, and then ideally you shouldn't, you should rarely be surprised by what happens. Not to say that expectations are always met or that, you know, somebody doesn't just pop off out of nowhere where they shouldn't and win a team fight that they shouldn't. Those are the special moments. Like those, those are things that really make you sit back and go, whoa, I did not, I didn't see that coming. That's awesome. That's exciting. I mean, and sometimes it's, I mean, it's two Reinhardts who both have shatter, like who's going to get the better end of it. And then the guy who hasn't been landing shatters, the the player hasn't been landing shatters the entire match suddenly lands a six man and it turns the fight. Uh, I mean, like sometimes it's it kind of stuff, but yeah, it's those expectations are huge. So what um, would you say was the biggest, uh, almost call it like a flip moment when you're casting and you like in your head, you're like this is going to happen. And then the complete opposite happens. Um, one of, one of the early ones was CGL, the CGL, uh, um, NTT seven. Okay. And oh my goodness. Who are the two teams? Oh, I'd have to look up the video. There was, there was a moment where one team was just getting absolutely rolled and it was two O going into Volskaya and Oh my goodness! I want to find the video so I can give you the exact team names. I've drawn a blank suddenly, and I feel like an idiot. But um, a, a huge, like five-man shatter comes through, and you just immediately felt the tides turn. I mean, immediately. And that they turn around and reverse swept and and won it. And it was it was this one earth shatter where it was just like the the winds just shifted the other direction. Yeah. And it was palpable. It was it was a pretty cool moment. So were you casting in that moment to be like against that team, like, oh, this is gonna happen, or we, I expect this happening, and then did is it would that happen, or did you kind of internalize it in that moment before saying it aloud? Um, I'm one to, and with any moment, I mean, I'm kind of, I, I, I trust my mind and I say what I'm thinking. Like, I don't, I don't try to overprocess it too much. Yeah. To where I'm not internally thinking about, oh, this is exactly what I'm going to say, or this is how I'm going to react. So everything is always very genuine just in my responses. So it's I, I'm just very on the cuff with all that. Okay. Or off the cuff, or what, whatever I'm trying to say. Um, and if you could replay or go back to one casting moment that was like your favorite moment of all time, what would what would that be? Oh, favorite casting moment favorite of all time? Favorite casting moment of all time. Holy cow. Because I know every player That's... has a favorite moment from when playing. But what's your favorite casting moment? There's been a few. Um, and, and it, for various reasons. Uh, I, I love doing charity tournaments. Um, Billy and I, I mean, I feel like it's just a strength. We, we get to kind of be goofy and, and be really loose and lighthearted with it and we have a lot of fun with those um most recently did a charity tournament for bame one uh that uh oh that was for trans life foundation was what that charity was for uh i mean we've done charities for a variety of things from you know pink one battling cancer uh done one for uh uh the 
what's the organization that does for the children's hospitals? Oh my goodness. Sick kids? Uh, oh, I've got a sticker from them. Yeah, a sticker from them. My brain is just failing me today. All, I'm sorry. All good. Uh, that's not days. the point. That's not the point. The, the point just is I really have a lot of fun doing those. And despite the fact that I can't remember the exact charity that we do some of them for <laughs> off the top of my head, um, those always stand out as just being amazing events. As far as, like, career-wise, like, I mean, the, the first Trials cast was really cool. Um, the first time I cast New Kings was a, was an eye-opening experience. That was one of those where it was, you know, casting Oni God and, uh, you know, casting some Overwatch League players and the realization that uh, of the level of talent oh yeah like that was like casting no. new kings the first time was one of those where it was like holy cow like this is this is some top tier world-class talent only oh, god is one of my best players in my fantasy draft never let me down <laughs> i've cast him in before wow uh, yeah it's been amazing just to be able to react and cast such a player of like a high level and quality it was very intimidating really it was very intimidating yeah and I've calmed, like, you kind of just have to get past that. And like, what, you know. What was the hardest part about casting uh, while watching him? Was it, like, keeping up with his uh, speed? Yeah, that match was chaotic, especially really? on Control. Yeah, Control, the opening map of Control was on Oasis. And it was just, it was just so fast. That that was one of the fastest matches. And it was one of the, one of the times when I, I, I felt like I was lagging behind. Like, that was just hard for my brain to keep up with everything that was going on. There was so much happening at once, and everybody had a plan, and everybody was moving to execute, and it was a lot of decisiveness, and it was hard to pick out what was the most important part of those team fights because there was just so many skilled players on the battlefield uh, that I kind of felt overwhelmed with it. Part of that was just mental, and that's something that was uh, last November, so that's that's actually something I've worked on as a caster, and it propelled me to try to get better um, in those chaotic team fights. But it was it was a little intimidating. I'm not gonna lie, it was a little intimidating, and I think that was just part of it. You know, oh, the, the realization of of players, the caliber of players that I was casting, kind of gotten kind of got in my own head a little bit. Um, but at, at the end of the day, it was still a great cast. And would you and, say and because of that you enjoyed cast. PC casting more than console? Because of how fast it is and how much more intense it can be. I'm sorry. What was the question? Uh, do, would you say that you enjoy PC casting more than console casting because Ooh. of the different skill? Because there's no doubt that on PC it is a lot faster reaction time. Like, like you said, the kill the kill time is a lot faster. And right. And um, if you just look at the highest level of play on console to the highest level of play on PC, there is a humongous difference in those two players and those two. Uh, skill levels um yes 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 and no like there are exceptions to the rule okay um it i say i enjoy casting the highest skill level teams that i can okay and so to that regard yeah you're going to get more of that on pc now uh, again there are exceptions i mean doom godoa comes to mind i've cast doom godoa both on, on console and on, in trials in the most recent trials uh phenomenal player Oh, 100%. Um, there, are, there have been people that have done both. Yeah. Uh, Tensa as well. Uh, um, there's a lot of people that came from console and then moved to PC yeah. and become very high skill rating players. Yeah, um, exactly. the, the first person comes to mind is someone I know and I've played with. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with who Salus is. 
Salas. He's uh, a console player that moved to PC. I believe he was around 4K on console. Been on console for a number of years. And within his first two months, as my numbers might be wrong, two months on PC had hit 4.3K on ladder. Ooh, just nice. playing tank. Nice. Just no, the the name doesn't ring a bell. I gotta be honest. Really, I'm I'm not sure how involved in the team scene he still is now isn't now, um. But no doubt about it that there are great players that come from both sides of console, Xbox and uh, PS4 to go to the scene. One of those sure. being um, it's a YouTuber, mostly a Genji player, a Cree, something like that. Um, but just phenomenal player. Uh, I believe he did. Con I don't know if he did contenders or not for a bit, but um, just absolutely destroyed the PC DPS ladder for a number right. of time. I think he played very competitively for two years and then kind of just started memeing around on ladder after that. Right. But yeah, there's there's no doubt about it though. Uh, you see the increase of scale though. A lot of times, once people are access to like 200 FPS computers and the mouse and keyboard is making it a lot easier to aim and things like that. Sure, sure. I mean, it, it definitely makes a difference. Um, I think one of the best things about Overwatch, though, is the importance of awareness and decision-making uh, and those things that do transcend. Oh, of course. Uh, and I think that's some of the best skills that you can have in Overwatch. You know, we're not talking uh, a tactical shooter here. What's all about the, the mechanics. There's The brain becomes a big part of a big part of what makes for a great team and a great player oh, and that synergy as well. But, yeah. Yeah. To the original point, I just like casting the highest quality games that I can. It's, it's just super exciting. Um, let me think because we had head rammer on and part one with Fritz. What was your favorite CGL moment that you've got? You're not Ooh. even cast, but gone to witness or like have witnessed the casting behind it. Been like, wow, I want, I want to be able to cast a game like this. Uh there's 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 been a couple. There's been a couple. Uh, and it's one of those things where the moments stand out more than a lot of the teams, so it's I don't know, it's just the way my brain works. Um I wish I could remember every player on every team that I've ever cast uh, and I, and had that logged, but my brain just doesn't have the bandwidth for all of it. Sam. But there's definitely been some moments and there have been some teams that stood out. Um, like Danny DeFito's final match really stood out. That was kind of a special moment. Um, that squad—they were the first ones to, to give me a a tournament casting gig, at least a, a full tournament casting gig. So I always had a soft spot in my heart for Danny DeFito, um, and and everybody involved with that crew. The um, we did—I I did over a hundred matches in MTT Seven. So just to give you an idea, like. Wow. Did, did a, a lot of CGL matches in a span of three months. Yeah, that must and, have been crazy. Yeah, it was, At least it was a crazy grind. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was between four and eight a week. Um. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. It was pretty nuts. And uh, yeah, a lot of double headers and stuff in there. And, have you uh, ever played on any teams yourself? I have not. Really? I have not. I've always thought about getting into competing. Um, I mean, I'm not super high on ladder myself. Like that's, I probably play more quick play than than ranked, and I definitely watch more vods and do more studying than I do playing 
I mean, I still play probably five times a week. Like I play a lot. Wow. But it, I don't play in a competitive environment. You're right? not I, looking I just, at the VODs afterwards and going, wow, I should have done this and that there. And that's no, just like I didn't think about it. Definitely think about it in the moment. Like I'm not just out like meaning Torb or anything. Like well, yeah. I, I I try oh, to do whoa, well. Whoa. I try don't, to make good decisions. Don't be throwing Torb as the meme character, okay? <laughs> you have no clue how many times I've gone into a comp game and just been absolutely destroyed or destroyed someone on Torb, okay? I think he's one of those no, busted no, no. heroes, and we need to make Torb the number one pick. I'm, I'm, I didn't say like every time you pick. Okay, Torb, okay, okay. I, I was just saying I, I don't meme on Torb. I'm yeah. more thinking, you know, running out and just dropping overload and trying to hammer people. Hey, that's also right? a lot like... of fun, okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely a lot of fun. Get I'm a Zarya to that. grab it, throw, throw <laughs> the torp, and go with the hammer. <laughs> Never mind me, a molten core available. Just go in with that of hammer. Of course, you know. Maybe <laughs> throw a little bit in there for some damage in the rest of the round. But... You just draw a heart on the ground. Exactly, the core. you know. Trap them inside of it, okay? Yes. You know, they yeah. stay in the heart. They're all fine. <laughs> They're they fine, leave the yeah. heart. Now we got an issue. Then there's a hammer to the face. <laughs> exactly. I like yeah. I like the way we're thinking here. <laughs> um, but it's uh, I've always done a lot more studying. Okay. And, and it's I mean I've played since beta, and I've always been interested in in watching videos, watching podcasts, watching coaches, and in the the strategy behind the game and the theory and like a decision-making and, and all those things. I've always been fascinated with all that. So, I mean, I, I've put several thousand hours into playing Overwatch and probably double that in studying in some form or fashion. And what got so you into casting? Like, what was the, I want to do this? Okay. I mean, that's an interesting story. Cause I was, I started in just doing pugs. Really? Uh, it was, it was actually Elo Hill pugs and it was, I was just that playing. That was a lot pugs. of fun. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was a fun environment. Like it was way better than ranked, you know, oh, and, and, it, and it was, <laughs> Most it sweaty and it got kind of, you know, like there was definitely some try hard moments, but at the same time, you know, everybody just kind of high fived at the end and, oh, yeah. and it was, everybody Swap loved each teams. other and all, all those things. Sure. Yeah, great environment um, over there. hundred percent. Well, being as I'm not super high ranked and there were, there were occasions where I didn't get picked, even though I was. I, I, you know, I'm a pretty good main tank. Like, uh, you know, I feel like I've got the awareness for that. Mm -hmm. But uh, with that said, on the, in the times that I ended up on the bench, it, it just kind of turned into, hey, let's shoutcast this for fun. Oh, like, yeah. and it was literally like me and one other person in, in, in the lobby and, and just going back and forth and, and shoutcasting the pugs for fun. Mm -hmm. And that kind of developed into a thing. And it was something we had a lot of fun doing. It's something I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed. And it was nothing more, like, nothing ever crossed my mind more than this is kind of fun in this moment. Like, at the time, I never thought, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna take this and, and try to climb up through the path to pro ladder. Like, none of that ever crossed my mind. Um, it actually took an outside influence. Uh, a, a now friend, uh, guy I haven't talked to in a little too long, honestly, because he doesn't play a whole lot of Overwatch anymore. But I still keep in contact. But uh, McNutty Nutman was awesome, man. a very encouraging. Uh, uh, he was like, "Dude, you, you've actually kind of got a knack for this. Like, you know, this this actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> like, would you ever have any interest in in like casting a little community tournament or something?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. Like, why not? 
Like I, I, I actually have a blast casting. And then that led and... to another, and then. Yeah, and he got me in touch with uh, Munching Carrot, and Munching Carrot was in the process of he was like involved with a community tournament that was going on. This is back in 2019, and like they brought me on and it was right at the tail end of their season. Did a couple of casts with them. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Uh, and then that led to the Danny DePito community open, which was like my first full tournament casting gig. And and so ended up just bouncing from one off-season tournament to another through summer towards the end of uh, 2019. Like just, I mean, did like seven different community tournaments. And if um, you had one thing you'd have to say for like people wanting to get into casting, like what's the what's the experience? Would you say just like kind of like get out there and try it or? Yeah. Just go for yeah, it. Just, just straight up, just do it. Yeah. If you bomb, you bomb. If it goes well, it goes well. You're, I mean, they're not all going to be great. Yeah. I still, I still have casts to this day that I'm like, eh, that was not my strongest. Like, it's a live performance. Yeah. Um, it reminds me a lot. I'm a musician as well. Okay. Um, it's, I've played drums for many, many years, and I mean, you're just kind of like a, a rock, garage band kind of setting. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna go play for an orchestra or anything like that's but casting reminds me a lot of playing a musical instrument and you do a lot of rehearsing and a lot of practicing to to get that one show you know and it, but you know if, if that show doesn't go great then you know what there's another show tomorrow night you know and then yeah. you're gonna play another show the next weekend like it's but those every once in a while you get one of those that's just like absolutely magical where everything yeah. just comes together and the energy is just spot on and it, you nail it just like you do in rehearsal and it's the best feeling in the world. I know, I know that like exact feeling casting, as a player. Yeah. Casting reminds me of that a lot. So yeah, just, just do it. Just like, go for it. Just, just go for it. Okay. That's uh, what is it? Those the stupid sunglass commercial sunglasses, where it's the only way to do a thing is to do it. Uh, yeah. Okay. It, well, I I wholeheartedly stand by that. And it's community tournaments are a good place to start. So 100%. there's always there's always these small little community tournaments going on. So just putting yourself out there and and getting into that, uh, is a great is a great way to start. And see if it's something for you. I mean, it's definitely not for everybody. So. Yeah, it's, a certain... a, it's a unique skill set and a bit of an acquired taste. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we've covered a lot of great things. We're, I'm going to quickly cut to the Lions Pride Tournament Champion promo that we talked about in podcast episode one. If you'd like, I can quickly link you, give you the link as well. They'll follow along as we watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me just pull this up here. I had it set, but my Streamlabs is a little... Uh, challenging at times. Here we go. I'll do this and then let me quickly get you the link Oops. to follow along. I meant to send it to you beforehand, but. Oh, it's okay. Let me quickly do this. There we go. Like I, like I said, I cast Contenders Trials. I'm used to a little bit of scuff. <laughs> a little bit of scuff, of course. Yeah, just the, the appropriate amount of scuff. That's what I like to hear. Okay. So, All right, so what, what are we about to see here? This is the Lions Pride Tournament of Champions promo reel of the upcoming tournament happening in a couple weeks in the Lions Pride server. Awesome. Yeah, so this is the uh, first look at uh, what you guys can be expecting. 
play. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for. Lions Pride Esports is proud to present the newest Overwatch cross-platform multi-tier console tournament, Tournament of Champions. Championship teams, up-and-coming teams, newly formed teams, it doesn't matter what walk of life these teams come from. But one thing is for sure, they will compete to ultimately find out who is the best of the best. Signups begin soon. Week one begins October 3rd. Claws out. There you have episode. That is a hype promo. That is a very hype promo. I think that's my second time seeing it. Just the start just gives me a little goosebumps at the beginning. Uh, can understand. pull up Discord again? Here we go. Let me get back to this. Oh, yeah, so, like they said in the trailer, tournament sign-up start July 18th, and episode and the start of the season starting September 3rd. You can find all your sign-up information in the Lions Pride uh, Discord, and there'll be a link to that in the bio down below podcast. Uh, if you have any other closing remarks, Full Scott? Uh, just, uh, you know, just kind of following up on that final thought. Like, if, if anybody wants to get into casting, uh, I, I recommend just go for it. Don't, don't hold back. And if anybody ever has any questions on ways to get started or anything about casting, feel free to reach out. My DMs are always open. And uh, uh, thank you for having me. And yeah, we'll put your Discord um, link in the bio just in case anyone does have any questions or wants to reach out thank you again for joining us very fun having you on today Bullscon. and I wish you all the success and hopefully we'll see you in 046 soon <laughs> I appreciate it All right. thanks guys thanks for coming and have a wonderful day <laughs>